0: All right, we get to look into God's word now. So if you would pray with me, let's pray together and we'll get started. Lord, we open your word with great anticipation because we know that it is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it will penetrate deep within us and do the work that only it can do. So we trust your Holy Spirit is here with us And we trust that you will speak to each of your people. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So how do you know if it's a windy day outside? Can you see the wind when you look up? Can you go, oh, there's the wind. It's going by. No. The only way you know if it's a windy day is if you can actually see the effects of the wind on the things around you. So you can see the trees shaking. You can see the flags sticking straight out. You can see things blowing past you. Right? The only way you know if there's actually wind in the air is because it affects the environment around you. That's the way you know there's windy, a windy day. The same is true of the Holy Spirit. Can you see the Holy Spirit in the room? Can you know he's here right now because you can look around and you can find him somewhere and you can point him out? No. You can only know the Holy Spirit's here because you can see the effects of the Holy Spirit in the room. You can only know the Spirit's around because the Spirit of God is leaves some sort of effect on each of us as he's in the room with us. Part of the Alpha Course is a retreat weekend where we go away somewhere for, we've done it for about eight hours somewhere in different places, in the garden room, upstairs, at a farm, out in Mokina. And part of that day is to, is to sit quietly and invite the Holy Spirit to be part of the day. We, we pray the prayer, come Holy Spirit. And every time we've prayed that prayer the Holy Spirit has shown up in the room. Sometimes there's some tears. Sometimes people fall to their knees. Sometimes people get really quiet. Sometimes people want to be prayed for in ways they've never been prayed for before. Sometimes there's healing that happens. Whenever you invite the Holy Spirit in the room, the effects of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Spirit causes effects to happen in the room. Now, when you hear Holy Spirit, I don't know what comes to your mind, what kind of images come to your mind... We've been trained to think of all these wacky things. Somehow there's this weird wacky picture of the Holy Spirit in the world. But today is Pentecost Sunday, the day that remembers when the Holy Spirit was first given to the church. Now Pentecost is one of the pilgrimage festivals of of Judaism. So everybody made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost together. It was actually originally a First Fruits Gratitude for the Harvest Festival... And on this particular Pentecost, back in Acts chapter 2, the first fruits of the Spirit are given to the church. The first time the Spirit falls in the church is at this Pentecost experience. The disciples are there. It's 9 o'clock in the morning, time of prayer in the temple, and all of a sudden, boom. Now, we've already read this passage, but I'm going to put it up there again. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. So there's the effects of the Holy Spirit. It filled the the house where they were sitting, then what looked like flames and tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. That happening changed everything. Now, the Holy Spirit had been around in the Old Testament. You know this, right? At creation, the Holy Spirit is hovering over the chaos and bringing about order And shalom to the chaos. Yeah. The Holy Spirit empowers Bezalel, this guy in the book of Exodus, to make craftsmanship out of wood and gold and stones and and beautiful fabrics to create the tabernacle. The Holy Spirit is with Gideon when he pairs his army down to 300 people and takes on the Midianites. And the Holy Spirit goes out in power and we see the effects of the Holy Spirit conquering the armies of Midian. The Holy Spirit is with Samson when he's empowered Right, with superhero power to defeat the Philistines. And the Holy Spirit is with Ezekiel when he sees visions and dreams that only you could be seen through the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit falls on Pentecost, there's a whole new kind of effect on our relationship with God. It goes from being in a single building in a single city on planet Earth where God sits in this building and dwells there among his people and you've got to go to the building to relate to him. Now suddenly the Holy Spirit is inside of Each person who calls himself a follower of Jesus. So when you invited Jesus in, you got the Holy Spirit. How do I know that? Look at Ephesians chapter 1. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised, that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. So if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's already inside you, doing His work inside you. Now the question is, what effects does that have on us believers? Does the Bible tell us anything about the effects of the Holy Spirit? Because we can't see Him, like we can't see the wind, but are there effects in our lives happening because of the Holy Spirit? Well, there's lots of them. The Bible goes through them. We could actually preach a whole series on the Holy Spirit, you know. We could spend... Tons of Sundays on each of these things I'm going to talk about. So we're going to spend like 30 seconds in each one. Are you ready? This is going to be like a smorgasbord of the Holy Spirit in the next 20 minutes. Here we go. First one. The Holy Spirit makes us like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul writes this. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord... Who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. The veil referred to here is the veil Moses wore. Moses wanted to go on the mountain in the presence of God. When he came down, he was glowing, and so he put a veil over his face because the Israelites were kind of freaked out by the glow. Then when he went back into the presence of God, he would take the veil off again to be in the presence of God. Well, this verse says because of the Holy Spirit, we don't need a veil. The Spirit's glory shines through us, and we can be in the presence of God directly because he's changing us in the image of Christ, each one of us, because the Spirit of God's at work in us. Now, Paul talks about another place. Uh, He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians, you know this verse, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So the Holy Spirit is actually making us like Jesus, producing this fruit in us, making us people that look like Jesus. And Ezekiel foresaw this hundreds of years ago. Check this out, Ezekiel 36. I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your heart, your, your stony, stubborn heart, and give you a tender, responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you. So that you will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Another translation says, I will move you to follow my laws. So it's amazing when you actually get the Holy Spirit in you, you don't have to like work at being a good person. It doesn't take a lot of effort. You don't have to like be just straining to be good. Because deep inside, the Holy Spirit begins to change your desires and motivates you to do Jesus things, to become like Jesus. I'll give you an example. When I was in college, I had my eye early in college on this girl, Eileen. Yeah, she was blonde. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking, how do I get Eileen's attention? So one day, Eileen asked me if I could give her a ride to work. I'm thinking, this is my chance. I got like 10 minutes riding to work to get this girl's attention. So I'm thinking, I got to drive like only I can drive, like a client. Like a wild man. I gotta show her how cool I am by the way I drive. So we get in the car, wouldn't you know it? We're on this two lane road, and there's some guy in front of me that decides to go the speed limit on this day. Are you kidding me? I'm trying to impress Eileen. This guy's pooping along the speed limit. So I'm waiting on the road. I'm looking at the double yellow lines. I'm seeing that I can, I can see a passing moment. I can see there's clear on the other side. I'm about to pull out and go, and Eileen turns to me and she says, Jeff. You know, most guys drive like crazy people. I'm just so glad to be in a car with somebody who drives normally. So I turn to Eileen, and I say, Eileen, totally understand, because I believe totally in driving the speed limit and obeying the rules. It's my, it's my credo in life. And I drove Eileen as slowly as possible to work that day. And every time Eileen was in my car, I totally drove like a good citizen. Now, my motivation was a little off, true? Yeah. There's a lot of things that motivate us to be good. It's, it's what well, we want to look good for the rest of the people in church, make sure they all know we're good purpose, or we don't want to get punished, or we want to make sure we don't get shamed in the community. We want people to know what we're really like. But the real motivation to follow Jesus to be like him is because the Holy Spirit begins to change your heart, your insights. So you actually want to be like Jesus. You actually start to desire this. This is the Holy Spirit's effect in each one of us when we invite him in. Let's keep going. There's a third one. John 16, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. Because if I don't, the advocate, the counselor, the alongsider won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness. When you get in tune with the Holy Spirit... He convicts you of what's wrong with your life. It's a crazy thing that the church thinks our job is to go around and tell people, hey, you're messed up. Hey, you got to get together. Hey, you got to fix yourself. No, the Holy Spirit will take care of this. If we just give people Jesus, the Holy Spirit will take care of all the rest. My, my friend John Crilly, who wrote the Nine Arts book, he was a pretty wild pagan guy. He was living with his girlfriend, he was smoking dope um he actually uh, one night went to bed his girlfriend turned and said do you believe in god he said hey i'm a good catholic what do you mean, do i believe in god who cares i'm a good catholic and he said that question haunted him all through the night he woke up the next morning he turned on the tv some of you aren't going to get this this guy jimmy swagger this tv evangelist seriously now we always make fun of jimmy swagger right Crilly and his girlfriend sat and watched Jimmy Swagger that morning, and they found Jesus during that telecast. And they invited Jesus into their lives, and the Holy Spirit came with. And you know what happened next? He said within a week, he was thinking, I wonder if you can follow Jesus and smoke dope. Probably not. I should probably stop. And he stopped smoking dope. And then he said, I wonder if you can follow Jesus and live with your girlfriend." So he went to Danielle, who's now his wife, and said, we should probably change this up. Maybe get married. Then he said, I wonder if you can follow Jesus and not go to church. And he found the nearest church, which was Willow Creek. He thought it looked like an airport, but he went anyway. And he, he's been going ever since. The Holy Spirit totally convicted him and changed him and moved him in a whole different direction. He didn't, have to, anyone, he didn't need someone to point out for him, hey, you need to fix that. You need to change that. You need to, no. Our job is to invite people to Jesus to give them the Holy Spirit and watch the Holy Spirit do His work. It's pretty amazing. What the effects of the Holy Spirit? Fourth, here's another one. The Spirit speaks and guides and empowers the church. When you read the book of Acts, look at these passages. i got a bunch of them here for you. So he started out and met the treasurer of Ethiopia. This is Philip a eunuch of great authority under the Candic, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. You ever heard a message like that? Go to your neighbor's yard and stand there until they come outside. That'd be a little weird, wouldn't it? Look at this next one. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, he had a vision during prayer from the Holy Spirit. The Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter goes with them, leads Cornelius to Jesus, the first Gentile ever to find Jesus. Look at this one. While they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The early church was saturated with the Spirit of God. Saturated. They made all their moves on the direction of the Spirit of God. They were in tune with the Spirit of God. They were listening, all of them. Catching the Spirit of God's instructions and the moving out in His power. That's what sets us apart as the church. We also need to be saturated with the Spirit of God. To do ministry, supernatural ministry, in a way that only the Holy Spirit can do through us. Because we're not capable of doing it ourselves. True? The church of Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is dying. He's longing to direct our steps and send us out on his behalf. There's a movement in the world called the 24-7 Prayer Rooms. Um, I met the guy at the Alpha Conference, Peter Grieg, who started these. It was started because of a vision from the Holy Spirit that he had. Started these prayer rooms all over the world. So there's a story about one in Uganda. Prayer room in Uganda, they, they, they pray 24-7 in these prayer rooms. And they were praying, and they heard this word, kagunga. And not, no one in the prayer room knew what it meant. They were like, what, is, what in the world is kagunga? So they started to research, and they real, they found out It was one of 3,000 islands in a lake, Lake Victoria, a large body of water connecting Uganda, Tanzania, and Kenya. It was one of those islands there. They located the island, and the prayer warriors set out by boat and land to go to the island, because they believed God was sending them there by giving them this word altogether. After a long journey, they arrived on Kagunga, and they found a group of people, fishermen, indigenous fishermen, eking out a living... With no electricity, no hospital, no school, no church, a 90% HIV infection rate, and a 99% belief in witchcraft. When they told these islanders that the Holy Spirit had sent them there, the people were receptive and amazed. And within a couple weeks, there were 50 of them following Jesus, and a church was born on the island of Kagunga. Because this prayer room was praying and the Holy Spirit sent them there. Where do you think Jesus might send us if we got serious about asking him to send us? Where do you think he might send you? It might be surprising. It be wild. I think we need to tune into this more. We need to start to ask the Spirit of God, hey, Spirit, what do you want us to do? What do you have for us as a church? How do you want us to move in the world? What do you want us to be up to? There's a fifth one that I think I need to talk about. There's a bunch more, but we're going to do this last one. The Holy Spirit gives us his word for our battles. So you know the passage, Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God, right? The breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, The gospel of the peace, the shoes of the gospel feet, and then it says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This particular word in Greek is not the logos of God, it's the rhema of God. Rhema is the exact word for the exact moment you find yourself in a battle when you're in this difficult situation. God gives you the word to speak into that situation. Jesus modeled this many times. Remember when the woman caught in sin is brought before him, and she's thrown at his feet, and they say to her, they say to Jesus, what can we do with this woman like this? Now, of course, they left the guy in bed. that they, they caught her in the act of adultery. They didn't bring the guy out. They just brought the woman out. They were tr- clearly trying to trap Jesus. If he says, let her go, they say, oh, see, you don't, you don't honor the law. If he says, kill her, they say, oh, you see, you're not really loving like you say. So he's in a battle. He's, he's caught. He's in a trap. What does he do? ah. He speaks the Ramah of God. He says, Whoever is without sin, you can throw the first stone. And it says, They all walked away. The oldest started first, all the way down to the youngest. They were gone. Now, guys, we live in a time of deep battle. There are battles going on for the souls of people and for even our kids. I'm going to tell you, I'm, I get to go to camp this Friday. I, leave for California and then Colorado to speak to 500 high school students. First time since 2019. I can tell you that something that's deeply on my heart is this gender narrative going on in our culture. I am the first one who would walk alongside anybody who's struggling with their gender identity. I'd be the first one to love you, walk with you, care for you. But I can tell you this I refuse to be silent about the fact that this is not from God. This narrative in our culture is not from God. There are 40% of Gen Zers who are confused about their gender identity. This is insanity. I'm just going to say it. This is not from God. Now I get to go to this camp and I feel like by not saying anything about this, I'm going to lead kids to believe that I agree with the narrative and the culture. I refuse to give in to that. I refuse to be part of that. I think I need to say what God says about this. I am praying for the Rama of God so I can say it in a way that is loving, sensitive that does not make people feel condemned or shamed. But I believe I have to say something, not just stand quietly by, for fear that I might be canceled or whatever else. We as a people, Christians in America in 2022, we need to pray for the rhema of God. I'm sure you find yourself in difficult conversations every week, at work, in different places. You think, I don't know what to say. I just better be quiet true. You could be quiet, or you could ask God for his rhema. Because we follow a Jesus who's full of love and grace and full of truth. Both. Not one or the other. Both. And we can speak the truth in love. We can stand in love if we ask for God's rhema in these situations. All right. I guess I have one last thing to say. The Spirit is a gentleman. So he won't come in and force himself on you. You have to surrender to him. You have to open your hands and welcome him in. You can actually fight the Spirit of God. He can be talking to you and you can be like, yeah, not listening, not listening. You can, it says in the Bible you can grieve the Spirit of God. You can quench the Spirit of God you can literally stop the Spirit of God from actually taking control and working in your life. I believe the Lord has more for all of us than what we presently know. He wants to give us more, but it requires us to open our hands and surrender, to ask Him for more. So I invite you today, whenever, to open your hands and pray the prayer Holy Spirit, come into my heart and life. Help me to get in tune with you, in touch with you. There's nothing to be afraid of. You just have to trust that the Lord wants to do amazing things in your life. That's what Pentecost is all about. This is like the time when the church was empowered. Each one of you carries the Holy Spirit. You know, the problem is, a lot of Christians, it's like, uh, Nikki Gumble says this, it's like a hot water heater that has a pilot lit in it. So all of us are the hot water heater with the pilot lit, right? And the pilot's lit and it's going because the Holy Spirit's there. But when your hot water heater is really effective, what happens? It it ignites and there's all these flames that make the hot water go fast, right? A lot of us as Christians, we got the pilot lit, but there's no flames ignited. Because we haven't invited the Holy Spirit to ignite the flames. We haven't given him permission. We haven't surrendered. I believe Jesus has more for us. You have to access it. You have to ask him for it. You have to ask him to ignite the flame of the Holy Spirit in your life. Will you do that today? All right. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for the gift of your spirit. It's crazy, Lord, that you had to leave the earth so that you could send us really something even more powerful than your presence, your physical presence on earth. Because you planted yourself in each one of us and sent us all over the place, the presence and the power of God spread throughout the world. Jesus, I pray today that you would ignite in us the power, the presence of your Holy Spirit. Unite that in our church. In your name we pray.